All the faith builders had light in their dwellings. Hallelujah. Why? Because God made a distinction. Because God severed. He made a dividing line. He made a difference. He made a difference between what's happening in our life and what's happening in the lives of people who don't have Him. And the great thing is they can see what He's doing in our life and they can call on Him and they can have the same goodness in their life. They can have the same protection in their life. They can have the same separation in their life if they just trust in Him, if they just call on Him, if they'll just confide in Him and and put their trust in Him. They can experience the same thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see, let's look at chapter 11. Chapter 11. And I want you to read verse 7. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know that the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. The Amplified Bible says a distinction. The Young's Living Translation says a separation. God puts a separation between what happens. He makes a distinction between what happens in our lives, those who trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 5. We're covering a lot of ground. We've got a lot of scriptures because we've got a framework to build here. Psalm chapter 5. And we'll read verse 11 and 12. Thank you, Lord. But let all those that put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let them also love, let those that love your name be joyful in you. For you, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will you compass him as with a shield. Again, we see this key. Let all those that put their trust in you. Those people have a reason to rejoice. Those people have a reason to shout for joy. Always shouting for joy. Why? I'm trusting in Him. I put my trust in Him. He is my keeper. He will preserve me. And, by, and, and my result is that I'm rejoicing. I'm shouting for joy because He is defending me. He is covering me. He is protecting me. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith. We've got to recognize His supernatural keeping power. We've got to be able to see it with the eyes of faith. We've got to have it already stored up in our heart, these scriptures, these foundational truths that God is my preserver. God is preserving and keeping and making a distinction in my life so that we act upon those truths, 
so that we act in line with those truths and instead of speaking words of fear or yielding to thoughts of fear or, or agreeing with responses of fear, we will respond differently. I want to show you an example, 2 Kings chapter 6. We need to respond differently. We, we don't respond in the way that people without a, pre a preserver, a protector, a keeper would respond. When you know He is your keeper and He does not slumber, He does not sleep, then when that is a, it, it is like a, a recognition that you're always aware of His keeping. You're always consistently aware of His presence and His keeping power in your life. There, what can make you afraid? When you have this built, this strength built, this confidence built that He's your keeper. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14, they're surrounded. The Syrians have surrounded Elisha and his servant. It says in verse 14, Therefore sent he their horses, the king coming out against him, he sent horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And, and look at how his servant responds. His servant, his servant said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? How shall we respond? What are we going to do? He sees they're surrounded. He sees horses. He sees chariots. He sees soldiers. He sees they are surrounded. And all we have is the preacher and his staff. Right? The preacher with his stick. You know, right? And what are we going to do? Alas, my master, how shall we do? But do you notice that Elisha didn't respond that way? That's right. He didn't respond that way. He wasn't saying, I don't know what we're going to do. No. Y'all remember when Brother Hagin would tell the story, he said that he was pastoring the church, which was during the time before he went out on, on full-time ministry, and he, he hadn't been there very long, maybe about a year or so, and they were having a board meeting. And the board was rehearsing all of the problems. They were having some difficulties, financial difficulties, having some different things going on. And they were going around the board. And they were all saying, oh, oh, we've got this. And oh, we've got that. And that's my best Jerry Clower impression, y'all. Oh, we've got this problem and we've got that problem and we've got this going on. And, and uh, then they come around and they all looked at Brother Hagin. And by this time, you know, they are, they've worked themselves up into fear and worry and despair. And they look at Brother Hagin and they say, what are we going to do? And Brother Hagin said, brothers, we're going to act like the word's true. Their whole demeanor changed. I could have had a V8. I never thought of that. What an idea. The board of the church. What an idea. Act like the word is true. And he said, that's what we did. He said, we're going to act like the word is true. And, and it dismissed all of that fear. 
It dismissed all of that despair and that worry. He said, we're going to act like the word is true. And he, he began to say, God is the one who is our provider. And you know what? It all turned around. Like in a matter of weeks, it all turned around when they started acting like the word was true. Well, here the servant is, says, what are we going to do? And he answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Ooh. Now see, there, there's a reason Elisha was acting the way he was acting. He was able to see it without his natural eyes seeing it. His natural eyes didn't need to see what he knew in his heart, what he trusted in his heart. And when you have the faith built in your heart, it doesn't matter what your natural eyes are picking up and seeing and the information coming to your natural eyes because you've got inside information. You've got inside information. The Sunday school superintendent of Brother Hagen's had fallen into the oil rig and the doctor was on the scene and the doctor was about to pronounce him dead. He said, he's just barely hanging on. I don't know how he's hanging on, but we're going to go ahead and take him and transport him to the hospital. But I want you to prepare his wife. And his wife walked up and, and, and Brother Hagen turned around to talk to her as the, the, the doctor is getting in the back of the station wagon that's hauling this man to the hospital. And he, uh, this is before they had a lot of ambulances. It was in the early 50s. It was, uh, or, or um, late 50s. There are not a lot of ambulances and, and medical treatment. And so the doctor is really just, just barely helping him hang on. Not really anything they could do. And so he, Brother Hagen, he said, I turned around and I looked at his wife and she looked at me and she said, she had seen the look on the doctor's face. She had, she had seen the doctor whispering something to Brother Hagen. He was telling Brother Hagen, I need you to prepare his wife that he's not going to make it. And so she knew what he had been instructed just by picking up on those signals. And she looked at Brother Hagen and she said, it's a good thing we have inside information. Inside the book information right here. We've got some inside information. Hallelujah. And God raised that superintendent up. That's the, he, Brother Hagen was staying at night. His wife was staying during the day at the hospital. And he said he had been praying for him at night and he said it seemed like as I prayed if I if I slipped off and got sleepy and and kind of quieted down that things would get worse and so he said I, I got up and I started he said I went out in the hallway to walk a little bit and to pray and he said I found myself saying something that I'd never said before I found myself praying something I'd never prayed before and when he prayed this he didn't teach about it for almost a decade 
it was like 10 to 12 years before he even got to a place in his spiritual understanding of what he had done. But he's out walking in the hallway and the man keeps slipping off and they think he's about to die. And Brother Hagin's out walking in the hallway and all of a sudden he says to God, Lord, that's the best Sunday school superintendent I've ever had. He's the only one who ever really did the job. The other people, they just had the position, but they never really helped me in the church. He said he's, he is a businessman and he is one of the faithful tithers in the church. He said, Lord, I need him and if I need him, you need him. You can't let him die. And so he came back in. Sat there for a little while, got a little bit sleepy. You know, he'd been up there about three nights. He said, I got a little bit sleepy and, 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 and I noticed the nurse over there checking him because she, the nurse thought he was gone. And, and she said, no, he's still hanging on. He said, I got back up. I walked back out into the hallway and I said it again. Lord, I need him. And if I need him, you need him. I'm not going to let him die. And that happened about three times. And the man that morning... Uh, when the sun came up, the doctors came in and that with shock, they realized that he had pulled through to a place that they could go in and do some operations and, and, uh, and, and, and fix some of the organs that had been damaged in the fall. And he said a couple of months later, his Sunday school superintendent is standing back in the church and he said, I had never told anybody how I prayed. He said, it shocked me when I said it, that I could be so bold to say, Lord, I need him. And if I need him, you need him. I'm not going to let him die. And he said, it, it shocked me. I, I, I had to, to, you know, study about that. What had I done? He said, I hadn't told anybody. He said, but I stood there listening. I sat in my seat while this superintendent is telling his testimony about how God pulled him through. And he said, in his testimony, he said, I went to heaven and I was standing in heaven and I was so excited to be in heaven and I'm standing there and Jesus comes and says, you're going to have to go back. And he said, Lord, I don't want to go back. He said, you're going to have to go back. But Lord, I don't want to go back. And he said, the Lord, this is the Sunday school superintendent's testimony. The Lord pulled back a curtain and said, Brother Hagen won't let you come. Even with hearing his Sunday school superintendent's testimony, he did not even talk about the way he had prayed for another 10 or 12 years until he came to a place of understanding about the authority that God has given us on this earth. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Inside information. We need to reserve and store up and stock our shelves with the inside information. We need to know Him as our keeper. We need to know Him as our way maker, our preserver. We need to know Him in His supernatural ability to protect us. He said, Lord, open His eyes that He may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. What it looked like on the outside wasn't nearly what was the truth about the matter. And that happens too often in the lives of believers. 
that we'll take it at face value, that we'll look at the situation and we'll just uh, uh, accept what we see instead of taking that inside information, investigating that inside information and realizing there is more that are with us. Now this man's attitude changed. His attitude changed. He's no longer looking around and saying, what are we going to do? Why? Because there, there, are, uh, there are a numerous amount of chariots of fire that outnumber the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We just need to be like Elisha and walk in that inside information. Not having to make God have to take that extra step of opening our eyes, but we'll just open our faith eyes. I'll just look with the eyes of faith, and with the eyes of faith, I can see that there's more that be with us than those that are against us. Amen? Hallelujah. And, and let's, let's finalize tonight's teaching with Daniel chapter 3. Because we're kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith. Daniel chapter 3, it's a familiar story, but I don't want you to look at it as a Sunday school story. I want you to look at it as an example of how your father can keep you. This is what our father did. Daniel chapter 3, let's begin in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, then it'll be well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you? Out of my hands. Who is that God? Ooh. Is he bold? Is he like sassy? Is he doing a pushback on God? Who is that God? Who is that God who can deliver you out of my hands? You're about to find out. You are about to see our God and his ability to keep his people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so that if you throw us in, our God, whom we serve, our God is able. Say that. Our God is able. Our God is able to deliver us. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't hem-haw around about it. They didn't talk out of the side of their mouth about it. They said, listen, we're not careful to answer you about this. We're going to be bold. We're going to be in your face. Our God is able to deliver us. Faith talks 
That, that, that wasn't just mere words. There was power in them, their words. There was power in them, their words. There's gold in them, their heels. There's power in them, their words. They weren't just talking. They believed what they said. That was their faith talking. That was their faith out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you find yourself under pressure and you say some things you ought, you wish you wouldn't have said, I'm not talking about cussing, of course we don't want to cuss. But if you find yourself under pressure and you start talking poor mouth and you start talking fear or doubt and I don't know, I just don't know, I don't understand why this is always happening to me. Why does it seem like I take two steps forward and three steps back? If you, that's what's in the heart. That's what's in the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, don't get under condemnation. Just repent and go fill your heart with something different. It's an indicator. Use that indicator for your good. When you find yourself under pressure, you know, you know, if you take a sponge and you squeeze that sponge, whatever's in the sponge is going to come out. And when, what, when, when you're under pressure and that situation is squeezing you, whatever's in you is going to come out. And if you've been feeding on fear, if you've been allowing those seeds of fear to be, if you've been, if you've been feeding on controversy, if you've been feeding on turmoil, if you've been feeding on, on uh, criticism, whatever the case may be, none of those things are going to help you when the pressure's on. So guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard the heart. We've got to guard the heart. And the way for us to maintain the right things in, the, in our heart is for us to recognize when we start talking doubt. Or if, if we say something and there's really no ring of faith to it. Because you can even make, you can even be in the word of faith long enough. You can be even in a good church long enough that you know the right thing to say. But when it comes out of your mouth, it just like that feather. It just floats all the way back down to the ground. It's not going out and moving any mountain. It's not going out and changing anything. It's just, it's just empty words because it's faith-filled words that move mountains. If you believe in your heart, you'll say. If you believe in your... So there has to be that faith that God's your keeper in your heart before the pressure comes on you. The reason that these men were able to say... Our God is able to deliver us. The reason Paul was able to say God did deliver, He still does deliver, and He will yet deliver us. The reason they were able to say it is because they were strong in faith. God is my keeper. God is my preserver. God is the one who is protecting my life. And He will supernaturally preserve me from difficulties and from things that would cause damage to my family. Hallelujah. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this burning furnace and He will deliver us out of your hand. Is that what He asked? Who is this God who can deliver you out of my hand? Our God. 
He's the one who will deliver us. Hallelujah. And, and what'd they get? They, get, they got what they said. The keeping power was activated by faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith. If we're believing it, we'll be speaking it. Because we are of the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. If we believe He's our keeper, we'll talk it. We'll worship Him as our keeper. We'll, we'll respond with faith to situations that make other people shake in their boots. No, I'm not going to be moved by that. Our God's able to keep us. And I'll tell you this. Your mouth, your tongue, your words, they're like a rudder of a ship. You can be in a, in a strategic situation and say the wrong thing and turn your ship in the wrong direction. You can be in that strategic situation and you can say the right thing and it, it moves you over right on the right path to deliverance. And so here's the Apostle Paul and he's out there in the middle of a storm that had been going on for days. The people on the boat with him are so distraught they have thrown out everything including all of the sails and all of the rigging of the ship. They've thrown out the food. They've thrown everything off the, the, of the ship and they are ready to die. They are so despairing that they're going to die. And here's the Apostle Paul who by the word of the Lord already told them not to set sail because of that storm. He knew it by the wisdom, the word of wisdom that God revealed to him that it was not safe and yet they rode out anyway, out into that storm. And Paul, even though they were there because of their own making, Paul prayed for them and he said, Tonight the angel of God, God whom who I serve and who I belong to, the angel stood by me this night and he told me that nobody is going to lose their life. Not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. None of the people aboard this ship are going to lose. The ship is going to fall apart. It's going to break into pieces, but that's not going to move us and that's not going to change our expectation. God is able to keep us through every one, every one of us, every one of us. God is able to keep everybody on the ship despite the storm and despite the fact that the boat is going to fall apart and break into pieces. We're all going to live. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. It wasn't their faith that got them to the shore. It wasn't the faith of any of those other people that got them through the night and the day in the deep. Hanging on to the pieces of the ship. It wasn't their faith. It was Paul's faith. I believe God. Because we're kept through the power of God through faith. Kept by the power through faith. What you believe matters. Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. I believe God. I believe God. 
I believe that 2023 is a year of turning. I believe that 2023 is a year of maximum results. I believe that He makes us fruitful for every good work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I believe God. Let's honor the Lord in our tithe and our offering tonight. Are you glad you combed your hair and came to church tonight? Did you get something to help you stand? A framework? I passed out the Lincoln Logs. Y'all can all go home and construct your home. Constru put your framework together in your house. Hallelujah. As we prepare to honor the Lord, if you'd like to participate, we have offering envelopes available in the pocket of the chair in front of you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is so good. Text to give information is on the screen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll come. I had my announcements written somewhere. Thank you, Lord. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. So good. Expectation is like a wire that conducts energy. To bring the light into this room, we have wiring that goes from the source of the electricity to the different outlets and to the different light fixtures. And that wiring conducts the power into those different specific areas to provide light, to provide electricity, Without the wiring, that electricity was always available. But until people learned how to conduct it to a specific place, how to cause that power to move specifically to that outlet to provide the electricity for that instrument or that electricity for the light fixture, without that wiring... That, that power has no safe way to flow into that, that situation. And our expectation and our faith in God is like the wiring that connects to the supernatural ability of God and conducts it to the area we're believing Him in. That flow of power, God's always willing and He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all according to the wiring that works in us, you could say. Are you wired? 
for the power of God. Well, as children of God, we're believers. And our hearts are, are designed to conduct the power. But if we've put into our hearts the wrong ingredients, if we put doubt or fear into our hearts, it, it shorts out the wires and the power doesn't flow the way it's supposed to flow. But if we'll guard our heart, if we'll turn those things off, if we'll, if we'll be more diligent and uh, finicky, be finicky with what you eat spiritually. Because we want the power to flow. We want the power to flow to the areas of our life. And so we've got to wire the house. We've got to wire the house with faith. With the right expectation, an expectation of good. I'm not looking for the fall. I'm not looking for destruction. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm expecting to see the glory of God in the land of the living. I'm expecting to see the hand of God move in my family. I'm expecting to see the blessing waxing great. I, I just see, I see our lives. God's just dipping us in the wax, pulling us up, waxing us, waxing great. That's the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because your expectation will conduct the power to that situation. So let's have an expectation of good.